More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. All right, we are set on a Friday for the fastest three hours in radio. I am Jason Lewis, the artist formerly known as Congressman Jason Lewis and proud to be joined by one of my former colleagues coming up uh, in the program today, Representative Elise Stefanik will join us. We'll talk about that leadership fight for the GOP going to the midterms. It is Friday, which means it's Joe Biden's favorite day. Because all during the week, he keeps asking his staff, is it Friday yet? I really don't. Is it Friday? I, You know, if I were him, I'd want the weekend to come too. You realize how many great naps you can get in in a weekend? I'm going to try this weekend. Hope you do, too. The number, has always, 1-800-282-2882, the contact line for the Rush Limbaugh program, and a bunch of really top-notch Rush clips today on all the topics that are, um, you know, that's the amazing thing about this. Guiding you through the history of Rush, as it were, shows you that things, the more they change, the more they stay the same. It has always been in America and in the Western world, that fight, that eternal vigilance that Jefferson used to talk about for liberty. And it comes in different manifestations. It can be fascism, it can be communism, it can be socialism, but it's all totalitarianism. And this constant battle we have never really changes. The eternal struggle that all people must face in all times is whether to acquiesce to oppression or to resist. And never in my adult life have the oppressors been so blatant about it. What is at stake in this republic, in this hour, on this day, is whether we're going to keep, as Franklin said, the republic. And I'm not altogether certain that our side realizes this. We're playing small ball here when we ought to be talking about voting integrity, uh, China has a preeminent threat, the hollowing out of the middle class in favor of big tech and internationalists, when we ought to be talking about free speech. If we don't have these basics, these basic attributes of a free country, then you can talk about 
the dynamic effects of a tax cut versus a Biden $3 trillion tax hike all day long. It doesn't matter if you can't voice your opinion. It doesn't matter if voting is skewed. It doesn't matter if they're going to pack the Supreme Court. No longer are we playing small ball. We're hitting for the fences here, and that's certainly what the left is doing. Now, with regard to some of the topics that you know that we'd like to discuss on the Rush Limbaugh program, economic growth is topic number one. I mean, without economic growth, you can't fund a military. Without economic growth, you can't have a rising tide. Uh, we can't have a rising median income. Without economic growth, not much of anything is possible. And that's why the Biden tax hikes are so deleterious. The United States just added 260, uh, what was it, 266,000 jobs last month. They thought they would add a million. People always ask me, hey, Jason, what's going on here? I mean, you, you've got a situation where where uh, the, the stock market's going gangbusters. I thought Biden was going to destroy it. The stock market has factored in the failure of Bidenomics. They don't think it's going to pass, certainly not in the way Joe Biden wants and Kamala Harris and the rest of these dyed-in-the-wool socialists want. The market is saying, no, this isn't going to work. The midterms are going to re- you know, return a majority to the Republicans in the House. None of this stuff's going to happen. Now, if they start to believe that the Biden tax increases, the re-regulation of the economy, the packing of the Supreme Court that threatens property rights, if they start to believe that, if they start to really think that companies' intellectual property is going to be handed off to the globe, as, as they've done with the patents on the vaccines, then the market will start to say, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. Or employers will start to say, I'm going to wait until next month or next year to hire somebody. And that may have happened last month. It was far below the expectations of a million jobs. The unemployment rate rose slightly to 6.1%. If the market believes that employees think it's better to take that extra $300 a month in unemployment benefits, which puts you over what you could earn working, better to take another check from government, better to go on Medicaid, even if you're able-bodied without dependents, then you're going to see this malaise kick in. And you're going to see the government subsidizing people not to work, which is essentially what Democrats want to do. That's why the Democrats are so excited about keeping the pandemic going. They can get every human being addicted to a check from them, which makes them very, very powerful. Speaking of naps, President Biden yesterday, or was it this week, in Lake Charles, Louisiana, talking about... $3.3 $3.3 trillion in taxes that aren't really $3.3 trillion in taxes. Hit audio clip one. we got to compete. And it doesn't cost anybody anything and deprive anybody of anything they have earned or deserve. The plans that I put forward meets the middle class and raises corporate rate. It also lowers it where lower than any point that it was since World War II. And it's going to generate $90 billion each year, hundreds of thousands of jobs. We're going to put a lot of folks to work. I have no idea what he just said. Unfortunately, neither does he. So a $3.3 trillion over the next 10-year tax hike doesn't cost anyone anything. What, the tooth fairy is going to This is like calling uh, social workers when you're getting robbed. Yeah, I don't worry. You don't need the police. Call Dr. Phil. He'll be there in a minute. And this tax hike doesn't cost you anything. What is he thinking? 
Well, he's not thinking. He doesn't know what he's doing. His advisors are telling him what to say and how to say it and what to do. Biden is a puppet. And the idea that we're going to compete by raising taxes on small businessmen and women, on workers, anybody making over $200,000 a year, which you'd be surprised, a lot of, understand something, folks. Most small businesses file a pass-through tax return. They're subchapter S corporations. They're LLCs. They're sole proprietorships. They're partnerships. That means their business income flows to their individual return. So when the IRS and, and, and the Biden folks calculate, oh, you're making over $200,000 a year, 180000 of it's your business income. And that's what they want to tax. You notice they're not raising the they're not raising taxes on private equity fund managers. I mean, there's an easy way to do that. Eliminate carried interest. Carried interest is something that really is a, a commission. It is income flowing to a private equity firm that uses other people's money to take companies that are public, private, and then hollow them out, and yet they get taxed only at capital gains rates. Why aren't they going after that? Why are they offering a tax cut for the richest people in the country who live in California, New York, and Minnesota, and Massachusetts, who make over $200,000 a year? They want to give them a new deduction for state and local income taxes so that their New York tax burden isn't as bad as it otherwise would be. The answer there, of course, lies in Albany. Lower the damn taxes in New York. Don't have other federal taxpayers pick up the tab so you can get a new deduction. Those are the tax breaks for the rich that Biden's not talking about. But I want to tell you something, friends. There is two ways to look at economic growth, and it's quite simple. One way is a supply-side way, that production creates demand. That production has the pride of place. That you must encourage people to take a risk and to go out and work. The other side is the demand side view of Biden and the bond market. And it says, oh, no, no, consumers matter. If we just take money from you and give it to somebody else and they spend it, why, that'll work. And that's why they love a big, fat public sector. To redistribute income from you to people, oh, say the teachers' unions. And they'll just go out and buy a bunch of stuff, and that'll do it. Except that doesn't incentivize anybody to produce. Rush put it best not long ago when he talked about the private versus the public sector. Audio number two. The Democrat Party, the American left, look at it this way, have had their boot on the neck of the golden goose for 50 years. And that golden goose is down to its last breaths. And when the golden goose is dead, when the private sector no longer generates the wealth necessary, and it hasn't for a long time, all of this is fake money. All of this is unreal. Everybody who has anything from a state or federal government has it because of debt, borrowing, or what have you. It isn't real. The golden goose got killed off long ago in terms of reality. This country's not producing the wealth that will sustain all of the demands being made on the country. This country is not producing the wealth to provide for all the services we want. The military, border control, and all that. We've long ago passed this. This is why I 
keep talking about how nothing's real anymore. All of this is borrowed time. And yet the people who are living on all of this illusionary money, they don't want to give it up. Where else are they going to go to earn it? How are they going to replace it? What do they know other than having some thug negotiate a contract for them? What do they know? If you are a public sector employee and you're mad as hell at me right now because I don't get it, because you think I have no compassion for you, because I don't want you to have a decent life and decent living and so forth, when this does eventually implode... There's one or two places you can go to complain. One would be Beijing. Go talk to the Chaikoms. Another would be Havana. Go talk to Fidel Castro. Find some old Soviet communist still alive. Go talk to him because they're the people responsible for it. The people who have made you believe that you can score all these riches. The people that have made you believe that all you need for everybody to be wealthy and fair and equal is a fair and just government redistributing wealth. When it all implodes and it's not working and it's not working now, don't complain to me because I've been telling you for years it won't work. You need to go to the people who've been lying to you from the get-go telling you that it does work because they're the ones that screwed you. Amen, El Rushbo. More on our $29 trillion debt, and this time with earmarks when we come back on the Excellence in Broadcasting Network. Lots of stuff coming up on this Friday of the Rush Limbaugh program, including this whole notion of Congress reviving earmarks. Now, Rush just told you about the public versus the private sector, and there is a fundamental difference between the public versus private sector. It's called market discipline. The public sector has zero market discipline. They have political discipline. That's how you get bridges to nowhere and the Cornhusker kickback and all the rest. They answer to their political interests. Markets answer to economic interests. If you open a business and it has no profit, the business goes away. If you start a government program that has no profit, it gets expanded. So you have a misallocation of resources almost by definition under government spending. And that will slow economic growth. You won't replace the capital stock. You'll be diverting consumer wishes and desires for uh, government tanks. You know, we got we to gotta be honest about this, folks. We really do as conservatives, as, as people who believe in um, a, a maximum efficiency and a rising tide of economic growth for the most people. In a perfect world, even though this is the chief object of the central government, national defense, in a perfect gr- world, you wouldn't have to have one. You don't eat tanks. Armaments don't satisfy a human desire as you're sitting in your house waiting for the heat to kick on in a Minnesota winter. Now, it's a necessary expenditure because we've got to preserve our safety and our liberty. But it is an economic misallocation nonetheless. There's a lesson here. I'm not advocating we don't have a defense. I voted to plus up the DOD when I was in Congress. Not as much as it eventually ended, but I think it needed a little bit more. However, after World War II, the last time we had a debt-to-GDP ratio of over 100%, when we drew down after World War II, the war ended rather quickly. We drew down in 1945 and 46. 
Every single liberal demand-side economist said, we're going to go back to the Great Depression as we had before the war, because the war and government spending pumped everything up. That demand-side I was talking about. What happened? We had the greatest post-World War II boom in American history. Unemployment dropped to 3.9%. Assets were reallocated from government spending to private sector efficient spending. Rationing food and tires and, and everything under the sun. Gasoline stopped as production grew. Markets reallocated the assets. All we need to do in this pandemic-driven war is, re, is reopen the economy, have government quit spending and regulating, and you'll see a boom. Unfortunately, Biden's infrastructure plan, which isn't infrastructure at all, now has earmarks with it. You know, I told you this before, but in the 115th Congress, the one that I worked with President Trump on, there was a push at our first Republican conference meeting to restore earmarks. If you go back to the bridge to nowhere, if you go back to all of these ridiculous uh, earmarks that were attached that drew such enmity from the average voter. Well, we don't want to let these bureaucrats spend the money. Let's, let's legislators spend the money. No, how about no one spends the money? It's not who spends the money. It's the amount we're spending. And we're spending $6 trillion a year. When I was in Congress, it was four. That's a couple of years ago. And it's not a matter of who gets to spend. It's a matter of how much. We are bankrupting the country. And you can't tax, inflate, or borrow your way out of this. Sooner or later, we're going to have to get over this nonsense. Sooner or later, we're going to have to address the real problem. We cannot become tax collectors for the welfare state. We've got to address the welfare state. Rush had a great, great view on earmarks uh, not long ago, a couple of years ago, when this thing was really coming to a head around 2010. And here's what El Rushbo had to say. The people who are a little squishy on getting rid of earmarks say, look, it doesn't amount to anything. I mean, it's one, less than one-tenth or one percent of the budget. It's, 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 it's silly to plant a flag on earmarks. Yeah, I agree if the objection to earmarks is simply to save money, but that's not the real problem with earmarks. The problem with earmarks is that they are used as bribes to thwart the will of the people. If there were no earmarks, you wouldn't have had the corn husker, whatever it was, and you wouldn't have had that Ben Nelson being bought off for his health care vote, and all of it would have been academic. The problem with earmarks is that they are used, and, and, and members of the Senate and House love this. They're used as bribes. Okay, Ben, you don't like health care? Well, how about, if we, how about if we send a little earmark to Nebraska? We're going to exempt you from it for 10 years. Oh, good Lord, I love that. I get reelected. The corn husker kickback. I mean, that's a classic illustration of what's wrong with earmarks. And this is why... Senators want the Louisiana Purchase. Do you realize without earmarks, they'd have gotten nowhere on health care because they're just bribes. So earmarks are undemocratic. Earmarks are used to thwart the will of the people. Ben Nelson, Blanche Lincoln in Arkansas. They are used to buy votes. They are used to change the votes of elected officials who are prepared to vote the right way to represent their constituents, here comes the earmark, and uh, they think that they can persuade their constituents, hey, look what I brought home for you here.
some of the Republicans like earmarks of the bribing. Yeah. Does anybody doubt that's what they're for? Look at, in the terms of saving dollars, it's, it's like spitting in the ocean. If you eliminated all earmarks, the effect on the budget, you couldn't even see it. But the purpose of earmarks is uh, bribery. And, of course, then you know, how would Congress survive without bribes? Kickbacks. All that kind of Well, you know, it, it would be fun to see how Congress would survive without bribes. But does anybody disagree with me that that's the real purpose of an earmark? They're not budget busters. They're not. It's how you get a bridge of nowhere. It's how the will of the people gets thwarted. Without earmarks, you wouldn't have had enough votes for health care in the Senate. I don't care what Pelosi did in the House. Yeah, Rush is exactly right about that. And, and that's why Pelosi reinstated them when we had gotten rid of earmarks in the, well, long before I got there, but we sustained that. And now they're back. Can you imagine this infrastructure bill now with earmarks? Oh, my goodness. More coming right up. Okay, apparently, as we were in our uh, first uh, couple of segments here, Joe Biden was at the White House. Uh, Not that he knew it, but nevertheless, he was there, and he issued this statement on the economy and that jobs report. Let's uh, cue that before we go any further. Today's report makes clear, thank goodness we passed the American Rescue Plan. Help is here, and more help is on the way, and more help is needed. Today's report is rebuttal, the loose talk that Americans just don't want to work. I know some employers are having trouble filling jobs, but what this report shows is that there's a much bigger problem, notwithstanding the commentary you might have heard this morning. It is that our economy still has 8 million fewer jobs than when this pandemic started. The data shows that more more workers, more workers are looking for jobs and many can't find them. While jobs are coming back, there's still millions of people out there looking for work. <laughs> this is just, I've lived through this my entire life, my friends. Joe Biden proposes $6 trillion in new spending in the first three months of his administration. Then when a bad jobs report naturally results, he says, we haven't spent enough. When spending fails, when collectivism and socialism fails, we just haven't done it enough. So now the American Rescue Plan, subsidies for child care, parental leave, pre-K free, free tuition, more unemployment benefits, more food stamps, more Medicaid expansion. All of this has no effect on the labor market. Workforce development, affordable housing. People respond to incentives. And when it costs you money to take a job, you're not going to do it. When it costs you money to invest in a business that if you fail, you lose everything. If you succeed, the government takes it. You're not going to do it. So Biden proposes tax increases. Here's a newsflash for you, folks. And this is why the media dishonesty is so, so toxic right now. Biden would have you believe that the Tax Cut and Jobs Act that President Trump signed, coming out of the 115th, of which I was proud to serve, as I remind you frequently, Revenues in the first year after the tax cut went up or down? Ask CNN. They will lie to you about that as well. They went up. They went up. The first year, 2018, post the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, the Trump tax cuts, revenues 
We're $3.33 trillion versus $3.25 trillion in 2016. We have no tax crisis. They have plenty of revenue. They're spending money like drunken sailors. That, of course, never fair to drunken sailors. All they want is to get people addicted. All they want is power. The more people they can get addicted to a check, the more people will vote for them. Hence, you open the borders. You use a pandemic to expand spending, to hand out freebies. And whatever you do, you don't let you don't let Arizona recount the votes. Did you hear about the DOJ on this? The DOJ is now warning the Arizona recount folks, you better watch it or we're going to file a Voting Rights Act case against you. We don't want a recount. And every media outlet will tell you when it comes to voting irregularities, no court or election authority has found evidence of widespread fraud. No, that needs to be rephrased. No court or election authority has looked into evidence of fraud. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court wouldn't look into it. The U.S. Supreme Court wouldn't look into it. State legislatures wouldn't look into it. So now Maricopa County decides to do a recount. No, 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 no. We don't want that. What are they afraid of? What are they afraid of? They're afraid of losing power. Why do you think they're pushing D.C. statehood, even though it's patently unconstitutional? Every single Justice Department, including Obama, Obama's Justice Department, has found that you cannot enact a capital district that represents itself. The Constitution and the 23rd Amendment would have to be amended. Congress can't make the city into a state and grant it two new senators when they've already got three electoral votes anyway. You can't hand the city, the district, the federal district, over to an independent state that would run roughshod over it. Can you imagine the, the federal government being in Sacramento? They would simply take away police protection because they don't like Republican control. Go back and read James Madison, Federalist number 43, on why the nation's capital can never be at the mercy of a state government. Never, ever, ever. But they don't care about the Constitution or the framework of the Republic. They care about power. If they wanted to cede some land, they could hand it over to Maryland. But they wouldn't gain any senators that way. These people will do and say anything for power, which is why they shouldn't have it. Rush talked about this, and one-party government hit audio number four. If the Democrats win, if Biden wins this election, Kamala Harris or whoever that they put up there, that's the end of democracy. It's the end of the two-party system. We are going to have a one-party government that is going to devote itself to eliminating all opposition. That's what's at stake. If they win, I think the Republican Party essentially ceases to exist. One of the first things they will do is grant statehood to D.C. and Puerto Rico, and that will give them four Democrat senators, they will never lose control of the Senate. They will never lose control of the House. They will pack the Supreme Court with who knows how many new justices, and they'll all be left-leaning justices. And it won't take them long to do any of this. And after they've done it, there will be a one-party state. The United States will be a one-party government. 
it'll be just like California is now. It'll be just like New York is now. In California, the Republican Party doesn't exist. Well, it exists, but they never win anything. In New York, the same thing. Now, you can see what's happened in New York and California. They are the blueprints and the forerunners for what will happen nationwide if the Democrats win in November. Mark my words. You can forget about the Democrat Party as a party that has to win its way into power and has to keep proving itself. Once they get it, folks, they're never going to take the chance of losing it again. The Democrat Party will own and operate this country, and they will pack the courts, and they will make states out of territories, getting four new Democrat senators, and they'll never lose the Senate again. No, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I actually think that Democrats are signaling that this is what's going to happen if they win. It's what their objective is. The prophetic L. Rushbo, he's exactly right. They care about power. They don't want states to conduct honest voting tabulations. They don't want an independent third branch of government, the Supreme Court. They don't want states to control the Electoral College. They don't even want an Electoral College. And the Constitution is racist. We've got to repeal it. That is what's happening right under our very eyes. You know, I want to go back to that Madison uh, Federalist 43 real quick here. Because he said that America must never put the nation's capital at the mercy of a state government. Without an independent federal district, quote, not only the public authority might be insulted and its proceedings interrupted with impunity, but a dependence of the members of the general government of the state comprehending the seat of the national government for the protection in the exercise of it would be dissatisfactory. That's why Article 1, Section 8 grants Congress the power over the nation's capital, and they cannot relinquish that authority without amending the Constitution. Understand what the Democrats are up to there. Hey, you've heard it before. There are only two sure things in life, death and taxes. Well, now there's a third. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, switching to Pure Talk will save you money. In fact, Pure Talk saves the average family of four over $800 a year. And the best part of that is you don't have to sacrifice coverage. That's because it's on the exact same network as one of those big providers. Switching is so easy, you can keep your phone, keep your number, and with one cell phone call to Pure Talk, you can get started today. And when you do switch to Pure Talk, you'll get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month. And if you go over the data, they don't charge you for it. When Rush heard the story of Pure Talk and how they handle their customer service right here in the U.S., he started sharing the Pure Talk story. He saw it as a benefit to you. Their CEO is a U.S. veteran who understands what real service means. You'll get to experience that level of care when you talk to their customer service team. You do that by making a single phone call on your cell phone, just four digits. Just dial pound 250 and say keywords, Pure Talk, to save 50% off your first month. That's pound 250 and say Pure Talk. You'll have the option to receive a one-time auto-dial text message from Pure Talk. Hey, we've got some more exciting news about Rush today. Yesterday, the Missouri House passed legislation to designate January 12th, Rush's birthday, has Rush Limbaugh Day in Missouri. You know, Rush from Cape Girardeau and uh, Missouri's most famous most famous uh, citizen for many, many years. Great family. And the vote immediately followed 
a response by the Democrats to designate January 13th as Walter Cronkite Day. Yeah, maybe they what's maybe they should designate it the World Federalist Society Day. Remember, Cronkite was a big internationalist. He had been part of this group that believed in one world federal government and all of that stuff. But that failed. So now there is a, a push on the House passed legislation, so it's up to the Missouri State Senate to to um, make certain they follow suit with designating January twelfth has a Rush Limbaugh Day in Missouri. America's real anchorman being honored by his home state. I think that's a great idea. Uh, and it's funny. I remember how apoplectic Pelosi and company went. She was trying to unite the country when she tore up Trump's speech, and then they wouldn't stand for Rush when he was given the famous Congressional Medal, uh, which was so moving. Um, it's these people, these people really do project for a living. Everything they accuse you of whether it's a failure to unite, whether it's um, overt racism, whether it's being insensitive to to women's sports, like the Equality Act would be, everything they accuse you of doing, they do. Everything. Voter suppression? The Democrats have been engaged in voter suppression since LBJ first ran for a House seat. Anybody, this whole notion that there's never been voter fraud in this country is now a total media gaslighting job. It's really bizarre when you think about it. You can go back to LBJ and means of assent. You can go back to Nixon and Kennedy in 1960 in Chicago, where we knew there was fraud. I'm from the great state of Minnesota, where plywood has replaced sheetrock. And you can go back to the Coleman-Franken race. Uh, when there was something funky going up on the Iron Range. Votes were being counted in trunks, and he had more votes than than registered voters. And all of a sudden, it's gone. There's never been any voter, voter fraud whatsoever. It's shocking, I tell you. Just shocking. Hey, Russia's longtime call screener, friend of mine, Bo Snerdley, a.k.a. James Golden, his show Observer podcast is now ready. He is the host of this forthcoming podcast series, Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the golden EIB microphone. Now, Snurdly, in his own words, describes the treat you're in for. Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the golden EIB microphone. A new podcast hosted by yours truly, James Golden, or as many of you know me, Bo Snurdly. Come with me behind the scenes for an exciting and intimate look at the man who changed America as we know it. Coming Wednesday, May 12th to iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Presented by MyPillow and the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Hey, that'll be a great podcast. Looking forward to hearing James again. I will tell you, the first time I filled in for Rush many, many years ago, I want to say, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago, um, I was a little trepidatious. I didn't know what Kit Carson and, and, and James were like. I didn't I heard about them, but I didn't know. They were the and are the nicest people uh, in the world. The, the Russia's team, and it comes right from El Rushbo all the way down, made it very, very easy for we fill-ins to get the job done and try to hold Russia's audience. So uh, my thanks to them. And, of course, uh, looking forward to hearing James on that podcast. Texas and Florida. Now moving the ball in the right direction. Nothing matters, folks, if we can't have an accurate vote count. And the epitome of voter suppression is voter fraud. It is not 
requiring people to show an ID. It is not saying this is election day, not election year. It is not giving universal mail-in ballots to anybody that may have passed through your state at one time in the last decade. That is voter suppression. When you allow and encourage people to vote who otherwise do not have the prerogative to vote, you are diluting my vote, the legal vote. This is absurd. And this constant refrain of voter suppression is getting really old. Remember the Voting Rights Act, Section 5, that gave, um, coming out of the 1960s, that gave the federal government, the DOJ, purview over a number of voting jurisdictions in the South for fear of voter suppression. By the time that was thankfully repealed, and people could move a ballot box, a block, without having to check in with the Justice Department, you had a higher participation in those districts of minority voters than the majority voters. There was overkill. They didn't need to do it. Anybody can vote today who wants to take the time to get an ID. They've already got one. Or wants to go to the ballot box on election day. Or if they're absentee, wants to prove they are who they say they are. Any criticism of that is a patent attempt to skew the ballot box. And we all know it. I'm Jason Lewis in today on the Rush Limbaugh program. Uh, Welcome back once again. I am Jason Lewis, the artist formerly known as Congressman Jason Lewis. You know, Rush loved... Late bloomers, as do I. I, I, I. You know, everybody I come into contact with, you, you take a look. There's a number of books out there. I've got them. You've probably seen them on people that were supposedly abject failures. They weren't going to make it. They were near do wells by the time they were 35, and all of a sudden, boom. Well, I always knew this guy was going to make it. And you know, that's really something to keep in mind and tell your kids. Um, this overnight success stuff is hogwash. It doesn't apply 99 times out of 100. And normally, most people don't succeed until late in life. So have patience and keep plugging away. On this Mother's Day weekend, our EIB high note today talks about this. Rush talking about none other than his mom, Millie. And here is she, Millie, talking about Rush. Oh, we have no time for this one. I'll tell you what, let's come back with that. Because we're right up against the clock, but this this clip from Millie is going to be great. Stick around. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. 
Today, more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then, HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and frauds to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from selected past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look, and HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Pure Talk, the cell phone company we both rely on, is further investing in their customers without charging an extra penny. Pure Talk is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. That's right. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless provider has you covered at home and abroad. Pure Talk already puts you on America's most dependable 5G network, but now they're giving you coverage in more than 50 countries, too. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. You keep your phone number and your phone unless you want to get great savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Up to you. Go to puretalk.com slash buck and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash buck, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can afford to travel this summer. Hour number two underway. Yes, a former member of the United States House of Representatives, albeit a short term, <laughs> but nonetheless, a productive term. And when I served in the 115th, I have to say, when Chairman Virginia Fox was controlling the Ed and Workforce Committee, we were doing great things on career and technical education, the Perkins Bill, trying to get higher ed to have some skin in the game on these student loans. Why my seatmate on that very committee could very well be the next chairwoman of the House Republican Conference, and especially it could be a majority conference in the next Congress. Joining me now from the great state of New York, the 21st Congressional District, Representative Elise Stefanik. She is with us on the Rush Limbaugh program. Elise, nice to have you here. Jason, it's so great to hear your voice and great to be with you today. Yeah, well, you know, I miss bringing you coffee at the Ed and Workforce Committee hearings. Oh, you never did that. We worked very closely together and got a lot done. You know, we really did. If you look back at that in in two short years, it's very much like the first two years of the Reagan era. Uh, In those first two Trump years, all of the things we accomplished, and not everybody agreed on everything, I get that, but you take a look at what got done then versus what's getting done in the 116th and the 117th, and it is just a grotesque stalemate with a bunch of people with masks running around doing nothing in the House. It is. Congress has completely changed. It is being run by the far left, by AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Nancy Pelosi. This is the most progressive Congress in our nation's history, which is why it's so important that Republicans are united to win back the majority, to be a check on Biden's radical socialist agenda, including trillions of dollars of new taxes and trillions of new spending. And on the committee, we fight back every day against the far-left Democrats. Well, that's good to know. You know, I I think you came in two years before I got there, but 
as you point out, and I pointed out yesterday on the program, leadership, and I think this goes too far sometimes. You have to have an independent voice. But by, by the same token, there is truth here. You got to be a team player if you want to get something done. You can't let the perfect become the enemy of the good, and you have to unite. Now, in this great debate between the current chairwoman, Liz Cheney, and it looks like your rising ascendancy, is there any other kind of ascendancy? Uh, the, the fact is, Liz isn't being a team player. Um, you, you gotta, you've got to unite around something, and there are always people that, that can look towards the negative, but at some point, when you've got the majority, you have to get things done. Is that a fair assessment? I think it's a fair assessment, and I listen to voters very closely in my district, and I know every member of Congress does across America. They want us to unify, and they believe President Trump is an important voice and an important role and the leading voice in the Republican Party and conservative movement. We have to work with President Trump to win back the majority, and we're going to. And that's what the members of Congress want, who are Republicans, and that's what the voters want in this Mm -hmm. country. So we can focus on talking about how dangerous and radical Nancy Pelosi's policies are and our solutions to grow the economy, create jobs, stand up for the Constitution, counter China, etc. You mean $6 trillion in new spending in three months won't grow the economy? I'm shocked. Uh, well, that's look, one of the reasons we had bad jobs numbers today. They're abysmal. That's right. Unemployment is up. Inflation is, you know, people are seeing rising costs of goods. And uh, small businesses can't hire workers because of yeah. the continued additional federal unemployment assistance. Yeah, so much for MTT, um, I mean, or MMT, I should say, modern monetary theory. This is nothing more than Keynesianism and drag. They're going to inflate their way out of, uh, out of the debt. And when you do that, you're going to have asset bubbles and rising prices eventually. And that's exactly what's happening, which is no good for anyone. Look, you mentioned something about President Trump and your vigorous defense of him in this unwarranted impeachment saga, which we now, and you were on the Intel Committee, but I went down when I was in the House and looked at the intelligence. This whole Russian hoax was, I don't want to be too dramatic here, but it comes pretty darn close to a coup being, being perpetrated by people who knew better. And we've got to have some FISA reforms so that they don't become a rubber stamp to have an opposition out of power going after a newly elected president. You're exactly right. What we uncovered, and it really took the Republicans in the House to uncover this, was the abuse in the FBI, the abuse by Jim Comey, which I was the first one to ask him why he didn't follow the law to inform Congress when they wrongly and illegally opened up a counterintelligence investigation. And then when it came to the FISA, we now know that that was illegal. So these reforms, if people want to protect our constitutional liberties and freedoms in this country and guard from significant government overreach, this is why we need to elect conservative Republicans. Um, and, And I think, you know, what the Democrats accused the Republicans of is actually what they did for four years. They treated President Trump like an illegitimate president and continue to perpetrate the Russia hoax. I'll go a step further, and I can do this now that I'm a talk show host instead of a member of Congress, you see. There are liberties here, at least. Uh, But what they did in trying to overthrow a duly elected president through the bowels of the DOJ and a corrupt FBI is far worse than what happened on January 6th. I'll just say that flat out. And this is where... We've got to quit at this time playing small ball and focus on the big picture. And you just mentioned it. And that is, if you can, and now they're going after Rudy Giuliani. A third world banana republic lets the victor put their, uh, their opponents in jail. 
We are in danger of losing the republic here. And if we don't look at the big picture, getting voting regularities or voting ballot integrity right, making certain we have free speech from big tech, restoring law and order while at the same time having due process rights for everyone, not to mention not to mention not exploiting a pandemic for political gain so they can command and control America. We can talk about the minutia of, like, you and I on Ed and Workforce or infrastructure, everything else, and it's important. But the fact is we are now at this point in in our history where the very fabric of the republic is being threatened. These are big fights, and this is why we need strong, unified leadership. You're exactly right about the fight with big tech. We see big tech censorship. Actually, this week they uh, suspended my communications director, and the timing was just perfect from their perspective as we are working to uh, run for House Republican Conference chair. Uh, we see big tech censoring conservatives. They never seem to censor liberals, though. We Isn't also that saw amazing? the black. It's amazing. And we also saw the blackout of the accurate Hunter Biden story from the New York Post of Hunter Biden's ties with the Chinese Communist Party. And all the tech companies colluded and completely blacked that story out before the election. That was a form of election meddling. So we need to break up these big tech corporations. We need to pursue antitrust policies. These are big, big fights, and this is why uh, we need to step up and unite and work with President Trump to win next November. It, it does us no – I mean, I – the idea of big tech now suppressing and censoring your communications director. I might understand it if they went after your legislative director, my old buddy Merrick. I mean, I get that. But your communications director, that's the last straw. I'm beating, yeah, I have a great them, but... team. I have a great team, and, and some of them work for you, Jason. <laughs> you know, you said something very important there, Elise, and that is you're, we're going to have to be unified going forward. I, I'm, I'm a little bit perplexed. When we face all of these challenges, and the, these are truly, to use that overused word, existential, when you, when you look at that, why is anybody still dwelling on, on Donald Trump, who brought the working man and woman back to the Republican Party? Uh, because I think the Democrats can't get over his win in 2016. I remember when we did polling in my district, the only unifying issue of Democrats was wanting to defeat President Trump. And we are seeing that, that they are obsessed. But what they don't realize is President Trump has grown the party. Just look at my district. My district voted for Obama mm -hmm. twice, and President Trump won it overwhelmingly by double digits. He spoke to the hardworking families across this country who felt left behind, and he had a vision and delivered results for economic opportunity. Whether it was well, Why would Republicans, um, and let's, I'll be honest about this, the current uh, chairwoman, Liz Cheney, why, why are those sorts of project or Lincoln Project Republicans, so obsessed with Trump? You know, I think they're corporate donors. I think they're far-left donors. Uh, it is sad how they are now part of the deranged far-left. Uh, but you know what? I represent 700,000 people in my district who are hardworking Americans. I care much more about what they think than the pedophiles at the Lincoln Project. <laughs> Wow, that's pretty tough. I, yesterday I called them political pedophiles, but I mean, I mean, <laughs> no modifier needed, I guess. The, the, I guess you know if, in fact, and I think you will rise to the uh, the, the conference chairwoman and the great uh, tradition of Kathy McMorris Rogers. But in if you take a look at that and you're successful next week, and I think you will be, and you, the Republicans take back the House. What is on the agenda? Re repealing Section 230, which should have been done in the NDAA process this cycle, but what is your agenda? 
Repealing Section 230 is absolutely on the agenda. Kathy McMorris-Rogers is actually leading the effort when it comes to countering and combating big tech. Countering China is going to be really, really important. We have the current president, President Biden, who is soft on China, uh, and his family does business with the Chinese Communist Party. That's an existential global threat, and the Republicans have the Chinese or the House China Task Force to lay out all of our policies, growing the economy, cutting taxes, reducing regulations, um, investing in American energy independence, basically rolling back all of these very progressive policies Biden has put into place to provide economic opportunity and economic growth. And certainly not federalizing state elections, as H.R. 1 would do, a, a real an assault on, Absolutely I think, the Constitution. Not. And the, and the opposite of that is making sure we have election security and election integrity uh, and making sure that's at the, the state level. I support the audit in Arizona. Transparency mm-hmm. and answers for the American people are a good thing. But we need to fix our, our election systems and the unconstitutional overreach that we saw in certain states this past November. Well, I think you're going to be the next uh, conference chair, and it was fun serving with you, albeit a short time. But keep doing what you're doing and make certain that, you know, Trump transformed a lot of Republicans into to opening their eyes into what really, really is happening to the working man and woman in America. And it really has given people a lot of courage um, uh, to, to, do, to, to say things and behave in ways they wouldn't have done before. And I think we need to keep up with that and have an open mind towards that. We need fighters. President Trump is a fighter on behalf of the American people, and voters want fighters to stand up for them. And that's what I'm committed to doing, to unify the message, to earn the support of my Republican colleagues, and fight for hardworking American families. Representative Elise Stefanik, thanks so much for stopping in on the Rush Limbaugh program today. Thank you, Jason. You bet. Nice talking to you. Back with more of Rush after this. And our thanks once again to Representative Stefanik. She is a rising star and I think going to be the next vice uh, chairwoman of the uh, Republican conference. It's a very, very important role. Kathy McMorris-Rogers, as I mentioned, was the chairwoman when I got there. Leadership actually paved the way and, and, and paved the way for Cheney to take that spot and then serve on the rules committee. They did everything they could for, for Cheney, but she's not a team player. Now, I, again, I think this is deeper than just that. I think this is there's an internecine battle between the neoconservatives and the Republican Party, those ex-Democrats that are big government abroad, big government at home. They just didn't like the Democrats going soft on the military in the 70s, so they switched, right? Uh, and I think that battle now with Trump coming in saying, wait a minute, we ought to think about these endless wars, has really put them in a position that's untenable. Um, you know, People forget. When when the, the barracks were bombed in Beirut in 1983, Reagan withdrew. When Reagan was pushed to put 25,000 troops in Managua in the 80s, he said, damn it, I'm not going to do it. Uh, when Eisenhower left office, he said, beware of these people at the military-industrial complex that will push us into these interventions. Ike fought the intervention in the Suez Canal, wouldn't do it. The Republican traditional theory has been a strong defense, but be very, very discreet in foreign interventions. And that's the battle that's going on, I do believe. Cobaskill, New York. Gene, you're up on the Rush Limbaugh program with me, Jason Lewis. Hi. Yes, sir. Yes, it's a pleasure to talk to you. First of all, I'd like to commend you for the great work you did in Congress. You know, we have Thank taken you, note of it, and, and, and I, think you, I think you deserve recognition for that. 
But the, the main part of my call was about Representative Stefanik. Yep. I was upstate New York, and I, boy, she, she jumped out at me. I think it was during the first Trump uh, impeachment, that ridiculous impeachment. And I said, wow. Right. I took note of Elise Stefanik. Boy, she, looked, she was smart. She was, she was well-spoken. And I've been following her ever since. And uh, shows like today that w- when she spoke, I mean, I think she is a rising star. I think she might be part of the future of this party, of our party. And uh, has anybody ever spoken about her ascending to higher office, vice president, and so on and so forth? I mean, what's your feelings on that? I, I think she's terrific. And, well, Gene, she's very well spoken. As I, as I mentioned, I served with her on one committee and, and was always impressed with Elise. Um, I, you know, right. they're, they're the, some of the critics on the right. And naturally, CNN's going after her now, so you know she's on the right track. Aha, uh-huh, um, uh-huh, that's a good sign. But, but she, you know, some of the critics on the hard right say, oh, gosh, she had a moderate voting record. Let me tell you what's happened with, with Trump. When Trump yeah. says that we ought to have American manufacture for, say, for, oh, I don't know, copper nickel mining or precious metals or for medical equipment. Those manufacturers ought to come first. And if that means a tariff, then we ought to do that. After all, we don't have a yeah. zero income tax. Why would we? Why should we have zero tariffs? So Trump exactly. raises a tariff. Guess what? A lot of these quote-unquote think tanks in Washington that tell you they're conservative will, will give you a, a, a demerit for supporting Trump on that. So be wary, folks, of the so-called conservative organizations going, oh, well, this person is not conservative enough. Well, they said the same thing about Trump. Trump has transformed the GOP. And I think Elise was smart enough, and I think it's genuine, saw that. And then the impeachment, when she's sitting on Intel, saw the total con job that was the Steele dossier and these illegal FISA warrants and wiretaps said enough is enough. And I think that ability to recognize that and transform, if you will, is very, very good and very, very important. Where is the, the leadership of the GOP now, though? It seems like we're just sitting on the sidelines and letting the Democrats have their way. And no, no one like Donald Trump is stepping up and saying no. No one, no one on the Republican leadership is taking a hard line. They seem so soft lately. I, we, we need that leadership that Donald Trump gave. It, it seems to be lacking right now in the Republican Party. I don't know what you're Well, for, year, for many, many years until Trump, the Republican Party's motto was there isn't a problem that if you don't just ignore it, it won't go away. And the, Trump said, I'm not going to ignore this stuff, and I'm bringing the party kicking and screaming into fights over the border, over China, over abortion, over, over all these things that heretofore the Republicans didn't want to fight about. It was just too hot to handle. Part of the problem, too, is the consultancy class in Washington. And, and quite frankly, it, it sort of seeps into every campaign, and that is... You know, uh, Elise, you know, Jason, you can get 100% of the vote if you just don't pick a fight with anybody, if you just don't take a stand. You know, your fundraiser will have you go to, to, to two opposing views and try to raise money. Um, at some point, you've got to pick, take a stand and say, I'm writing this group off. They're wrong. I don't care about them anymore. And, and that really it doesn't mean you don't listen to people and listen to all your constituents and represent them and their relations with the federal government. But we're not elected to present socialists or to people that don't like the constitution we're we're elected to fight those people and that's what trump did 
you know, this defeat of Donald Trump, as tragic as it was, I'm hoping this is a wake-up call for the GOP. I'm hoping they're saying, look what happened. We, we, we let our guard down, and this knucklehead is the president now. I hope this is a wake-up call for all the, all the right-thinking Americans to never let something like this happen again, to get out and vote and make sure that this doesn't happen again. This is as the potential right. of destroying this democracy, destroying this country. It's scary. Gene, thank you so much. We only have about a minute here in this segment, but um, let's get to David in Cylinder, Iowa. Squeeze in one more uh, this break. Go ahead, David. Yes. Say, my question is, I can't believe all the Democrats go along with the socialist crap. What kind of hold does Pelosi and Schumer have on them, and when are they going to get a backbone? They talk about the Republicans having a backbone. When are they yeah. going to get a backbone and start pushing well, you're not going to get it from Joe Biden, who told everyone he was a moderate and then becomes a puppet of the squad. You're, you're not going to get it with Nancy Pelosi, who would capitulate to anyone to keep the speakership, including uh, Ocasio-Cortez and the foul-mouthed Rashida Tlaib and the rest of them. Uh, Ilan Omar really runs the Democrat Party as much as anyone. They have taken over. The socialist radical squad has taken over the party. Now, there are people like miners up on the Iron Range here in Minnesota uh, working-class folks, as I mentioned, who don't believe this garbage. But here's the problem, and this is the real swamp. Their leadership, the union leadership, the business leadership, the people that run the PACs and consult on the campaigns do not represent those Democrats, do not represent those people. So you'll you'll be talking to farmers, you'll be talking to miners, you'll be talking to a whole host of people, and they, they're represented in their group's leadership by people that don't think the way they do. More coming up on the Excellence in Broadcasting Network. I am guiding you through another edition of Rush Limbaugh. Music lovers, thrill seekers, conversationalists all across Russia's fruited plain. Welcome back. You know, I mentioned Russia's mom and the funny little clip we had. We didn't get to it last hour. I want to play it for you now because this one's a hoot. One day, the teacher had me in for conference like she did all the parents she said if Rush doesn't change his ways he'll never grow to be the man his grandfather is or his father <laughs> I've always said he got, he got his smarts from his dad and I'm gonna say silliness from me <laughs> and that was a great thing about Rush that was Rush's mom Millie Limbaugh and the warnings we've all had in school about you're never gonna amount to anything but when she talks about having that that funny sense of, of personality, that great little wink, wink and a wink and a nod sort of uh, smirk, and uh, the intellect, uh, I think she describes it pretty well. Millie Limbaugh there. Now we're getting to the point here where the media have decided to do a one eighty. Have they not? You know, you watch one night of MSNBC and you realize the inmates have taken over the asylum. These people are lunatics. Who is who is the idiot that was uh, Jeb Bush's former staffer? Uh, I can't re- I don't even remember her name. But I mean, you want to talk about a groveling, pusillanimous excuse for an inside the beltway swamp creature? She is it. And then you've got Joe Scarborough, who's living proof we haven't won the war on drugs. I mean, it's it's like you look at this and you go, okay, and now I know what they mean by existential crisis. But boy, when you compare how the media treated Kaylee McNanny, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, 
and how they are genuflecting in front of Jen Psaki. If, if this doesn't cry out for corruption, and I mean corruption meaning unethical, meaning a lack of integrity, these are not journalists. They are activists posing as journalists. And Rush hit it right on not long ago when he talked about this. Have a story here on the White House Press Secretary, Jen Pasaki. And I want to get into it with an audio soundbite. This was from her press briefing just this afternoon in the White House press briefer. Uh, a reporter said the impeachment managers have laid out their case. Trump's team is leaving open the door, it seems, to arguing election fraud in this trial, to repeating the false claims that somehow Trump won the election. Those same false claims that fueled the riot. Is this administration concerned that the former president's defense could incite further violence in Washington? Certainly watching uh, reactions in the country, watching the potential for violence is something that we will do closely uh, from uh, the White House um, across the country, no matter what prompts it. Uh, and that's something we will uh, certainly keep an eye on. Um, but, um, you know, I think in this case, as you know, uh, there have been dozens and dozens of court cases that have been debunked. Boy, this woman says, um, a lot. Uh, and that's something we will uh, certainly keep an eye on. Um, but, um, uh, you know, I think in this case, uh, as you know, um, uh, there have been dozens of, you talk about communication, wandering in vain search of a thought. We will monitor the country for violence during the impeachment trial. See, once again, setting the stage, mind control, run around. All this, all it took was for a question from an unidentified reporter. So Trump's team is leaving open the possibility that they might claim falsely that Trump won the election. And these same false claims are what fueled the riot. Are you worried that Trump could incite further violence? That's all it takes. An innocuous question from... An unidentified reporter, and you have a brand new story that the Biden administration will be monitoring America for violence during the impeachment trial, even though we don't have any hard evidence that anything like that will happen. Such a load, folks. It is such a any the story about Jen Psaki. This is a Breitbart story. Report shows Biden staff pre-screening Pasaki press briefing questions. You know, this, this woman, Jen Pasaki, worked with Hillary in many of the last four years. She doesn't know the answer to most of the questions she's asked. She's got this thing. She says, I'll circle back to you on that. But they're pre This means the White House press corps is submitting their questions in advance to staff who is then briefing Pasaki on them before she's asked them. This is a new one. They never even accuse Sean Spicer of that. She's pre-screening, which means that the assembled multitudes of press people have to willingly go along with this. They've got to submit their questions. Can you imagine how the stories must go? Look. 
We uh, we really want to answer a question. We gotta we gotta submit this to the press secretary so that she can prepare uh, her response uh, and give you the most uh, up to date answer that she can. And the press corps says, "Sure, whatever you need." I have no doubt. Now later on in this story, there is an allusion to the way the press is going to be covering the new Biden administration in general. Now, get this paragraph. Jim Acosta, CNN, in an Atlantic piece published in December. So he was interviewed by The Atlantic for a story they're doing. Basically, CNN, what are you going to do when Trump's no longer in the White House? What are you going to do? I can tell you they're still going to be talking about Trump. That's all they were doing this morning. Jim Acosta said in this interview to The Atlantic, I don't think the press should be trying to whip up the Biden presidency and turn it into must-see TV in a contrived way. Oh, you mean you don't think that CNN should treat the Biden administration the identical way you treated the Trump administration? In a contrived way. You tried to whip the Trump presidency and turn it into must-see TV on the premise that Trump never told the truth. He never was honest about anything. He was a reprobate and scum. But you don't think it's necessary. You don't think the press should be trying to do the same thing with the Biden presidency. Now, we understand that. These people are going to make the—they already have— move back to quote-unquote normalcy as rapidly as they can. Then there is this from CNN reporter Daniel Dale. He was also interviewed for the piece in The Atlantic. And he said that his job would, quote, not be a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job to fact-check Biden. Because the simple reality is that Biden doesn't lie nearly as often as Trump does. And so, no, we're not going to be fact-checking the guy, and we're not going to be assuming that Biden is lying every time he speaks, like we did with Trump, because Biden doesn't lie as often as Trump did, or does. Yeah, but I mean, once again, Rush nails it. Hey, you know, when it comes to technology, Rush paid attention to that as well. And when he introduced Legacy Box and explained how they harness technology to make digital transfers of family films and videotapes, well, he was very, very persuasive, and I got on board as well. Particularly when he heard about their attention to detail and their built-in safeguards for carefully looking after your precious family memories. This is how Rush spoke of Legacy Box. Somebody somebody was telling me the other day that uh, they just found a a box of a bunch of old VHS tapes with some family stuff they hadn't seen for years on it. And they they were sending me... They were taking pictures of it on their iPhone. They were videoing the video and saying, look at this. And I wrote back, you ever heard of Legacy Box? I don't want to look at it this way. You ever heard of Legacy Box? What's Legacy? Send that stuff that you're videotaping on your phone. Send it to them, and they'll put it on DVDs or thumb drives, and you can show it to me however you want. You don't have to take pictures of it. Oh, that's a great idea. It is a great idea, folks. If you've got boxes of old family stuff, videos, and film, like Super 8 stuff that you don't have the projectors or the machines to watch it on anymore. There's an outfit that will transfer all that digitally to DVDs or thumb drives or cloud downloads, however you want it. The name's Legacy Box. They're in Tennessee. Hundreds 
of employees have one task there. They get your old pictures, your old Super 8 films, and all those outdated videotapes. And within two weeks, they send all those memories back to you. Digitized. Protected forever. Highest quality known to exist. High-speed dubbing. They use it, put it on new DVDs or however you wish it. Thumb drives, as I've said. Legacy Box has done this now for more than a million families so far over the last number of years. And everybody that's had it done has marveled over it. Something you can't do yourself. You don't have the equipment to do it, and you wouldn't go buy the equipment to do it. And you don't want to take the time. That's what Legacy Box does. They've got largest collection of tape machines and old movie projectors that they need to make sure that all your stuff gets digitized fast. They'll send you a box that you put your stuff in. It's protected so that no X-rays or gamma rays or any other rays will damage it in transit. And after you send it back, they transfer it, send it back to you, and you're up and running. Legacybox.com slash rush is the website. And if you do that, you'll get 50% off their regular price. Legacybox.com slash rush. The fastest three hours in radio on the Rush Limbaugh program. More great Rush clips coming up, especially about his love for the Rolling Stones. This is a good one. You want to stick around for that, gang. I am Jason Lewis, the artist formerly known as Congressman Lewis from the great state of Minnesota. Let's move on out to South Bend, Indiana. Rhonda, thanks for waiting. You're on the Rush Limbaugh program. Yes. I was just listening to your conversation with Ms. Stefanik, and it just reminded me that the radical left are such bullies. I have four boys, and they have had their brushes with bullies on the playground, and I know how they mm-hmm. operate. They tell lies really loud. They use accusations. They use blaming, shaming, intimidation, and the whole thing is meant to silence their opponents. Right. They cannot stand hearing the truth, and if you know the truth and you stand your ground, they tend to be cowards, and they... It's not even a matter of the truth, Rhonda. It's not even a matter of the truth. They cannot stand to have a debate. They cannot stand to have someone disagree with them. I'm not saying we're right on everything, but I'm saying we ought to have the opportunity to debate. And I will tell you where this crap started. It started with groups called Indivisible, which ought to be investigated. Indivisible Minnesota, Indivisible Egan, which was in my congressional district, made made literally veiled threats at every town hall you try to hold. So naturally, you didn't hold town halls. They would follow you out of the airport. They would trespass on your property. They would invade your congressional office out of protocol. They were rude, loud, juvenile brats. And they intimidated people. Now they've intimidated corporate America. Now they've got big tech and the media on their side. And what you've got is this cacophony of juvenile delinquency that's running the country. Yes, exactly. And if you stand your ground and look them in the face and refuse to be intimidated, um, they don't know what to do because that's their main um, MO. Well, let me tell you where this has reached its zenith. And that is with virtue signaling over masks. The same people that were invading Republican town halls are the same idiots lecturing people that you've got to wear four masks outside alone. And if we don't start pushing back there, they're telling you to cover your face. What are we? I mean, what Ayatollah does this? Uh, There's absolutely no reason whatsoever with vaccinations approaching 60-70% with herd immunity literally at our doorstep. That lockdowns, mandatory mask wearing, 
any of this Orwellian crap ought to be going forward. And it's high time we have the guts, the guts to start pushing back on these people because they will take this and run with it. They will tell you you can't earn a living. They will tell you you can't go to church. They will tell you certainly you can't conceal and carry. They will tell you that you have to cover your face. They will they will basically imprison your kids in social isolation. Did you see the nurse? I talked about it yesterday. She was on last night again. They have so terrified young children that this high school nurse that was on one of the programs last night had to cut off a mask that had been basically tethered to this kid. Now, we are needlessly scaring people. And I want to tell you one more thing. Let me tell you where this crap started. Don't get me going on this because I could I could go on. The stuff started with climate change. The lie that was catastrophic climate change. There's a book out there by an Obama physicist, believe it or not, called Unsettled Science. Everybody go out and get it. And he talks about the fact that there is, and if you take a look at the insurance actuaries, it's absolutely true, there is no increase in hurricanes. There are no weather catastrophes due to quote-unquote climate change. There is no catastrophe regardless of how the Earth's temperature or CO2 fluctuate. But if they can scare you into that, they can scare you on a virus. They can scare you on, on, on you name it, on the ridiculous buildup of Russian troops on the border of Ukraine. If it weren't for their penchant for scaring people, the command and control socialist left would have nothing, nothing in the way of political currency. That's what they do. I'm Jason Lewis. More of Rush Limbaugh. Got a great clip coming up. Stick around, everybody. You're on the Excellence in Broadcasting Network. A road trip with Rush coming up next hour. Also, the 1619 Project. This is, Russia's got a great clip on this, and I'm going to try to add something to that as well. But this false story about uh, whether it's Howard Zinn's, uh, you know, A People's History or the 1619 Project about how evil we really are and how evil the founding was is gaslighting to an extraordinary level. And we're going to get to uh, get to the bottom of that as well. Also, law and order, constitutional carry, and the EIB high note of the day, a special uh, Mother's Day wish um, coming from Rush Limbaugh. You know, when I say that, that, that indivisible, these groups, and now the healthcare advisor for Joe Biden was the guy that was setting up these Potemkin town halls on how evil healthcare reform was. Uh, it is so corrupt what's going on with these tax exempt organizations. When I say investigate, that's what I mean. They are abusing their educational mission. They're engaged in politics, pure and simple. It's George Soros-style dark money. It's unreported. And these are the people who say they want campaign finance reform? Are you kidding me? Depending on whether you're a 501c3 or c4, there are certain things you can and can't do. They abuse this all the time. Anyway, third hour coming right up on the Rush Limbaugh program. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation 
And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Today, more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and frauds to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from selected past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look, and HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Pure Talk, the cell phone company we both rely on, is further investing in their customers without charging an extra penny. Pure Talk is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. That's right. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless provider has you covered at home and abroad. Pure Talk already puts you on America's most dependable 5G network, but now they're giving you coverage in more than 50 countries, too. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. You keep your phone number and your phone unless you want to get great savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Up to you. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Yes, yes, high atop the EIB Tower in downtown Minneapolis. Why? Because it's the only safe place to be in Minnesota, the land of 10,000 riots. We are back, hour three underway. I will say this, I've never seen so much beautiful plywood than I have when I've gone downtown Minneapolis. I mean, the beautiful, you don't need impact windows, worried about hurricanes in Florida. No, 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 just take a cue from us. Get that plywood up early. You don't know the dividends it'll uh, it'll pay. Uh, I am Jason Lewis, the artist formerly known as Congressman Lewis, and glad to be guiding you through more great Rush clips uh, this hour on a Friday. You know, great little clip coming up on uh, on Rush's uh, well, a little story about Rush's love for for bumper music, for music in general. He started out as a, as a disc jockey. We'll get into that a little later. Also, Law and Order and the right to keep and bear arms, as Clarence Thomas says, the Second Amendment is not a constitutional orphan. But right now, I do want to talk about what is really scary, and that is the the collective gaslighting that's going on from our institutions. One of the things that we face for people that still think there's more good about America than bad is that every institution has been commandeered by the anti-American left. 
and by the communist left, the fascist left, the totalitarian left. I don't care what you say they are, but they don't believe in freedom. They don't believe in the Constitution. They don't believe that our rights come from God. They think they come from the king and they want to be king or queen or both. (laughs) The 1619 Project... Uh, used by schools. Isn't it amazing that the the cooperation they do? So you've got the CDC coordinating with the teachers union. You have the New York Times 1619 coordinated with K through 12. You have the media coordinating with with big tech. And you have these these, uh, tax-exempt groups coordinating with the Democrat Party. That is what I'm talking about when I say institutional liberalism or when I say this gaslighting, collective gaslighting that's going on. Nothing could be a greater lie than the idea that our Constitution is fundamentally racist or our Constitution is fundamentally anti-equality. Nothing could be greater a greater lie than that. We are the only country on the face of the earth that has ever looked at its wrongs and righted them. And it started right at the beginning, contrary to Howard Zinn and the 1619 Project. The Constitution is uh, a white man's racist document. Really? Well, the Constitution banned the importation of any further slaves in 1808. The Northwest Ordinance, passed in the year the Constitution was ratified, banned slavery. The three-fifths clause, you heard this a thousand times. Oh, three-fifths clause, it didn't count slaves as whole persons. No, but 8% of the African-American population was free, and they were counted as whole people. Why is that? Because the South wanted to count the slaves to to empower their apportionment. It was abolitionists and anti-slavery forces that said, no, if we count everybody, then you're going to have more power and keep slavery more potent. And finally, oh, how did they how come they didn't just outrightly outright ban slavery in the South at the time of the ratification? Because the Southern Confederacy wouldn't have joined. They would have established their own country and you would have never ended slavery. Six hundred thousand Americans died to fulfill our commitment towards equal protection under the law in the Civil War. That's what America did. That's the true reparation. No country has done that. Rush talked about this not long ago, audio clip number nine. The New York Times announced that there is no more journalism in the New York Times. There is simply agenda, orientation, and narrative advancement. And the New York Times has decided that America was not officially founded 1776. And the Revolutionary War had nothing to do with America's independence. America was actually founded in 1619. 1619, and but we're coming up on the uh, 400-year anniversary, you see. And what happened in 1619 is the first African slaves arrived for sale in what is now Virginia. And so the New York Times and their new premise, their new narrative, is that the United States is a gigantic fraud, that the real story of the United States that's taught is bogus, that America's true past is one of immorality, injustice, racism, bigotry, homophobia. The premise is that everything great about America, American exceptionalism, all of America's great achievements are essentially illegitimate because they would not have happened without slavery. And therefore, everything about the United States is illegitimate. 
Now, I made a big deal about it because it was a giant sea. I told you so. This has been a message I have been conveying to you in this audience for years about the left's true intent, the transformation of America, as Obama described it. The eight years of Obama were indeed a plan designed to make Americans believe that the greatness of America was not justified, that it was indefensible, that all the great economic prosperity the American people had enjoyed was not really legitimate because it was so ill-gotten in so many ways. So the Obama people came up with this new term, the new normal. The new normal is a steady, declining economy that needs to be expertly managed, that America's expectations need to be lowered, that the central ingredient of the American dream, that children will do better than their parents, is over. This is what Obama and his acolytes told the American people. Economic growth in excess of one, one and a half percent should never, ever be expected. Even had a name for this, the new normal. America in decline, a decline that we deserved, by the way, a rollback in prosperity and power that we deserved because it was achieved in inhumane, illegitimate ways. This has been... The objective, it was the objective of the Obama administration and of the Democrat Party, and it dovetailed with their decision in November uh, in early 2010 to totally abandon white working class voters as a primary ingredient of their constituency. The Democrat Party officially cast aside white working class and instead attempted to build a massive majority built on all of the minorities they could find and combine together. Illegal immigrants, African-Americans, Hispanics, women, lesbians, gays, sexual, bisexual, transgender, the confused, whoever. All of these disparate groups, the victims of America. The victims of America's unjust founding would become the constituency of the Democrat Party. That's the decision they made. So... Along comes Donald Trump, who doesn't want any part of this, has the slogan, make America great again. This is crazy. What do you mean American decline? What do you mean no normal? There's no need for this. It's totally unnecessary. America is great, justifiably so. And we need to focus on being even greater. His victory alarmed and scared the entire liberal establishment worldwide, who in reality want a declining America to further their globalist ambitions of eliminating the concept of nation-states. You can't succeed at that unless you eliminate the sovereignty of the United States. And you can't do that unless you've got willing American leadership. And they had it with Barack Obama. The reason Donald Trump is hated and despised and feared is not just the Washington establishment. It is the worldwide globalist establishment. So in response to Trump, the New York Times, a leader in this globalist, let's take America down a peg or two because America doesn't deserve her status, crowd, has their new agenda that America's true founding was when slaves first arrived and everything that happened thereafter is basically criminal. The United States is a criminal state that has achieved its unwarranted power and prosperity on the backs of people of color. So we're faced 
we're faced with an active political opposition, which has finally been honest about its intentions for the last 20 or 30 years, maybe even longer, and that is to destroy the United States as founded, take it down many notches in power and prosperity on the premise that none of it has been deserved, that none of it has been warranted, that all of it is ill-gotten, and all of the people who have benefited from this injustice of the American founding need to also be called out and punished. The white supremacists, the white nationalists, the white, essentially, the Republican Party and the conservative movement. There's only one problem, well, (laughs) there's more than one, but a primary problem the New York Times faces is that everything in their premise is a lie. Not a single bit of it is factually true. (laughs) Well, when it comes to the New York Times, why start now? Everything they write is a lie. Everything CNN says is a lie. MSNBC, the Washington Post, they are arms of the Democrat Party. And as I said yesterday, and as Rush points out, if you really believe in campaign finance reform, then everything those media outlets write ought to be reported as an in-kind contribution. They are corporations. Can you imagine if ExxonMobil decided to put on their website, vote for Jason Lewis? Not that they ever did. But can you imagine that? That'd be an illegal, in-kind, corporate contribution. Well, media companies are corporations. How can they get away with it? It's a massive media exemption. Rush is exactly right. This was never about the Confederate flag or Southern symbols. It was about eradicating Mount Rushmore. Back after this. Okay, time to lighten things up a little bit, this segment. I know we're going to talk about uh, defunding the police and disarming America. Uh, They go hand in hand a little later. But right now, as you know, Rush loved music. As does your guide today, the former congressman known as Jason Lewis. I, uh, you know, know, I'm telling you, music has a way of elevating your mood when you need it. It really does. And it's got to be a tune you can whistle, right? I'm so tired of this stuff. Uh, What's the melody? Who needs a melody? Just percussion. That's good enough. No, 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 no. It's got to be a tune you can whistle or it ain't music. Well, Rush was a DJ before he was a talk show host. And so people used to listen and still listen to the Rush Limbaugh program and marvel at the great selection of bumper music. Something I took great pride in when I was doing my own show as well. Now, and you get the story behind the bumper music. So that's why we're going to move into something today called Road Trip with Rush, where every Friday we'll add a new song to a playlist of Rush's favorites. And the Stones were right there at the top. Roll Audio 10. Oh, we got some Stones bumper music going here. Can't get no satisfaction. They get no. You know, I got a buddy, a friend of mine, my my uh, my Los Angeles chauffeur and pizza delivery guy just sent me a message that he had to have heart valve replacement. Something. It reminded me. I knew it. I guess he wanted me to think of him as I was thinking of Jagger, which I don't do much, but. Everybody is now. My favorite Stones record, Happy, which is not a Mick Jagger lead vocal. 
I think, in fact, I think it's a Keith Richards uh, lead vocal. Also, uh, Honky Talk Woman. Well, yeah, Under My Thumb. Under My Thumb's in the top five all-time favorite Stones tunes, yeah. I will say it was. You know, Rush, Rush almost, I think he did get fired once for playing Under My Thumb too many times when he was a disc jockey. Uh, <laughs> now, that's, that's a Stones fan. All of you out there know, know that we love Rush, right? And these clips are great to keep Rush uh, alive uh, as long as we can, and, and he will stay alive that way. But, you know, we all wonder, what could we possibly disagree with Rush about? Well, I got to admit it. I found something, finally. I, I, finally, I found something. I'll give you a little hint. Who wrote the first Rolling Stones hit? Well, can you, rem- you remember the name of the song? I bet nobody back back in New York remembers the name of the first Rolling Stones hit. Mike, you know what the name was? Allie, Kevin, Greg, anyone? Bueller, anyone? Bueller? No. I Want to Be Your Man. That was the Stones' first number one hit. Now, or not number one, but their first big hit. Who wrote it? Second question? Anyone? Bueller? Oh, Allie, somebody told you that. Come on. Paul McCartney and John Lennon wrote it. The Beatles wrote it. Now, I love the Stones, and I love Jagger. I've seen them in concert, and I love the way Jagger doesn't take sides and political stuff. I think he went to the London School of Economics, and at one time I thought I saw a quote about him sort of mocking the silliness of Marxism, which sounds like something Jagger might do. And I love Keith Richards as a health model. I'm when you're looking for longevity, look at Keith. But, When it comes to pure music, I grew up in the 60s. I remember this. You know, it's there wasn't any competition. The Beatles were the group. Everything else was ancillary. The Stones have longevity for sure. But you take a look at the 60s and man, oh man. I mean, come on. I remember running down to the old Ben Franklin store to buy Sgt. Pepper in the spring of 1967. I thought it was the most... At, at once, bizarre, cool, different rock album I'd ever heard or seen in my life. And today, I still think so. Just got to say it. Sorry, sorry, gang. Just got to say it. But I'll take Jagger any day of the week as well, uh, No, to be sure. When I was in Congress, there was an actual bill. And I, I bring this up because next segment, I want to talk about what the left is doing to sow the seeds of chaos. You think these lockdowns and telling you what to put on your face and the chaos of the riots and not enforcing law and order, you think that's coincidence? It is not coincidence. It is to sow the seeds of dissension in the system. And once you develop this sort of mistrust and chaos and everything's going to hell in a handbasket, people look for a, a savior. You take a look at coming out of World War I and the sort of reparations and the restrictions that the Allies put on the vanquished, it almost paved the way for the tyrant Hitler. The German people were ready. Oh, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. Our economy's about, we can't fund a defense. We can't do this. We need a savior. Oh, so they picked a despot, a murderer. This is not, a lot of this stuff, the Bolshevik revolution, a lot of this stuff is not by accident. Castro perfected it in Batista's Cuba. So think about this for a second. They are at once encouraging riots, defunding police, 
And now California is going to release 76,000 inmates, many of them violent offenders. Why would they do this? It makes absolutely no sense. And at the same time, they are trying to disarm, disarm Americans with false background checks, false red flag stories, ammunition restrictions, which, by the way, even the Ninth Circuit said uh, run up against the Second Amendment. So we're going to get into this um, next segment a little bit, but I wanted to bring it up because uh, when I was in Congress, there was a bill called Constitutional Carry Reciprocity, or that was part of the Fix Nicks bill and a few others that were addressing the school shootings. And part of that is you better be allow people to defend themselves uh, in, in this sort of chaos. And just as the full faith and credit clause allows states to recognize other states' driver's license. How would you like to have a driver's license in Virginia? You're driving through Maryland, and they say, oh, that's not a Maryland driver's license. You're going to get busted. No, they recognize those things. So we had a constitutional carry bill with reciprocity in it that allowed states to to, to basically, or allowed concealed carry permits to be uh, to, uh, reciprocity so that you could travel. And, of course... Uh, I don't know that it ever made it to the finish line, uh, as I recall, but the bottom line is that this is just nuts what these guys on the left are doing when it comes to law and order more. Back in the fastest three hours in radio on the Rush Limbaugh program, it is wonderful to be here. Enjoyed the last couple of days. More to come, though, so uh, stick around, gang. Now, look, uh, what's going on? Throughout the country and this chaos that's being sowed with defunding the police, the rioting that goes unchecked, the refusal to prosecute, the district attorneys in San Francisco and Los Angeles and Philadelphia and Chicago that refuse to prosecute violent criminals and want them released. In California now, 76,000 inmates eligible for early release. When you talk about criminal justice reform, whether it was the First Step Act or whether it was my bill that passed, the Juvenile Justice uh, Act, you want to talk about rehabilitating nonviolent offenders. You don't release violent offenders ever. That's the difference between what Trump did and what Biden and Newsom and everybody else is doing. These George Soros-funded prosecutors... Did I mention the abuse of these tax-exempt organizations electing people? These George Soros-funded prosecutors in Los Angeles is the real lunatic are making your communities less safe while they are defunding the police and taking away your right to keep and bear arms. That makes sense to me. There is a motive here, and it is total chaos, and people will die. You know, when I was running against Senator Tina Smith here in Minnesota last year, I ran on the Second Amendment. It's not a constitutional orphan. It applies to the states under incorporation, just like the rest of the amendments do. Nevertheless, she co-sponsored the Background Check Expansion Act, which means it would have criminalized private sales. If your uncle gave you or a neighbor sold you a five-shot revolver, you'd have to register it with the federal government. A family heirloom, register it with the federal government. It's especially ridiculous because when you look at Parkland or the shooting of Gabby Giffords, those guns went through a background check. The background checks, since they exist, are fundamentally flawed. 
because of the, the privacy rules, whether it's regard to HIPAA or FERPA or any of those things. You could have kids threatening other kids in school, and nobody knows about it, let alone going ever on a background check, but yet they want to expand that useless piece of paper so the government knows who owns what. These are the same people that think an AR-15 stands for assault rifle. The AR. Of course, it does not. Look it up. It's Armalite. I'll give you a little hint. The point being, whether it's background checks or red flag laws, red flag laws are especially dangerous. People people forget this. Uh, they, they forget that, in fact, this is what we did when I was in Congress. House uh, Joint Resolution 40, the Congressional Review Act to repeal Obama's red flag on Social Security recipients. They put in, in Obama's final days, a red flag law for any Social Security recipient that was, quote-unquote, a mental defective. That means they couldn't manage their benefits. They hired somebody to do their budget or maybe an advisor, and they couldn't buy a weapon to defend themselves. We repealed it. But now it's back. And it's dangerous. So they're taking away the Second Amendment, rescinding it to the point of meaninglessness. They're letting out inmates, and they are defunding the police. Listen to what Rush had to say about that. Folks, I got to tell you, the level of incompetence at some of the formerly most trustworthy, reliable institutions is one of the greatest elements of this country's you used to be able to count on things. There used to be institutions that were reliable. You trusted the people in them. You trusted when they came out and said something, especially if they were focused on public safety. And now that trust, it just isn't there. And the answer, the reason why, is not that complicated. It is liberal political corruption of these institutions that has led to all this. Now you've got people questioning what they hear about it. Like, for example... The left is serious about defunding police departments, but yet there's a poll out that shows most people don't think that's what they really mean. They do mean it. People don't believe that the left is serious about defunding the cops. This is a Monmouth University poll found only 18% of Americans believe the left in these Democrat cities and states who say defund the police actually means defund the police. Well, they are terribly mistaken. The anti-police are not shy about it. Black Lives Matter says on its website it wants to defund the police to invest in communities. They're dead serious about defunding the police and replacing the police with themselves, social workers or what have you. Here is Seattle. Look at this. Seattle cutting the police budget by half. Seattle City Council now supports defunding the Seattle Police Department by 50% and sending that money to the community, whatever that is. That's community organized. Black Lives Matter is going to get the money. It includes free housing and other economic benefits to minorities, which is already happening. St. Petersburg is is now going to um, defund or close the cops and replace them with social workers. Now, we've talked about this. We've talked about how many cities and towns are planning to send social workers to respond to nonviolent emergency calls instead of the cops. 
And I have told you, I have warned everybody that this is a way for the left to infiltrate normally conservative police departments with progressives, social workers, left-wing, sandal-wearing, Birkenstock-clad, long-haired, maggot-infested, no-underarm-deodorant, little socialist daycare workers running into your house pretending to be cops. I mean, who's more progressive than social workers? Anyway, now, even St. Petersburg, Florida is going to do it. And never mind that it means social workers going to have to deal with drug addicts, and the mentally ill, and believe me, those kinds of people can become violent without warning at any time. This is going to lead to the death of social workers. It's going to lead to massive lawsuits against uh, cities and towns. That's exactly right. And guess where it started? Right here in good old Minnesota. We're no longer the land of Paul Bunyan. We don't export peace and tranquility in 10,000 lakes. We export riots and chaos and defunding the police. And it's been done under Democrats, under Tim Walls, under Tina Smith, under Amy Klobuchar, under Angie Craig, under Dean Phillips, under Ilan Omar, under every... Betty McCollum is the worst offender in St. Paul. These people are radical nuts. And yet, because the Minnesota media do their bidding, because... The Minneapolis-St. Paul area, like any urban area in the country these days, from Seattle to Portland to L.A. to New York, has been taken over by crazies. They have the mob on their side. And they're going to use the mob to shut you up, to, to rig the census counts, and they will try. I'm not saying, oh, no, no, I'm not saying... The election, my election last year was stolen or anybody else's. I'm saying, would they try it? You're damn right they would. Ballot harvesting, extension of deadlines, no witness signature. It's all happened. Minnesota doesn't even have a provisional ballot. You don't have identity. Your vote counts. We'll maybe get to it later and throw it out if somebody challenges it. But we're not going to put it on a provisional. This is where it starts. And if the state of Minnesota... If the state of Minnesota doesn't start fighting back and start electing Republicans willing to fight back instead of sounding like Me Too Democrats, which they often do, especially in the State House in St. Paul, well, it's going to be too late. It's going to be gone. It's going to be turn out the light when the last person leaves. And you're seeing that, uh, as we talked about yesterday. In December, Minnesota was going to lose a congressional seat because so many people were leaving. By the time the census count was unveiled, miraculously, we gained 50,000 residents. And guess who celebrated? The Democrat Party and the media. There is no difference, I repeat myself, in Minnesota. Rush, once again, is right on. Back with more EIB after this. Okay, wrapping things up for a Friday on the Rush Limbaugh program. I am Jason Lewis. Proud to be here. Glad to be here the last couple of days. Has always a real pleasure and honor. You know, Mother's Day coming right up. And on our EIB high note for the day, let's remember that every day was Mom's Day for Rush. Rush and his brother David, as you recall, were blessed to have a wonderful mother in Millie. We played that great clip. Uh, earlier in the program about how Rush's teacher told his mom, Millie, that he won't amount to anything if he doesn't change his ways. Sadly, Millie passed away uh, uh, too far too soon at the age of 72. 
uh, what, 11 years ago. But she lived long enough to see Rush and his success and his show and his books all breaking records when it comes to sales. And he talked with his mom. His staff will tell you every day, no matter what. And it speaks volumes. Um, Millie was even a frequent guest on this program. So you know you know how how Rush infrequently invited guests what he thought of his mom. But nobody could put it in better words than Rush himself. Here's what he had to say about Millie. Those of you who have been listening to this program since the beginning will no doubt remember my mother and her numerous appearances on this program and on the, on the television show. She's the queen of the blue-haired Bloody Mary gang, as, uh, as I called her and her friends. We grew up, little town in Missouri, and when this program first started, it was just building, and it was the kind of white, hot, popular, associated with something new, unique, uh, everybody glomming onto it. And people driving through southeast Missouri would pull off I-55, drive into Cape Girardeau, and look up my mother. And they'd go by the house. And she'd let them in. And thankfully, every one of them was a solid, upstanding citizen fan. Folks, I'll tell you, I, I got so mad one day. It got to the point I'd go home to visit my mother, and I'd get there to be 150 books stacked up on the table in the dining room that she'd collected from people who'd been sending them in. And I said, Mother, I'm coming here to get away from you. No, son, you these people love you. you got They've sent me those books, and you've got to sign them so I can send them back. I said, I'm not going to have time to talk to you. That's okay. You have to pay attention to these people. The fact that people all over the country loved her little boy just was the greatest thing that ever happened to her. Yeah, and everybody who met Millie loved her, too. Folks, my mother invited the National Enquirer in to have coffee when they came by. Son, we don't have any. We're Limbaugh's. We got nothing to hide. If they want to see your draft records, I'll be glad to show them to you. She did that. The Enquirer reporter said, I can't believe this. Of course, I don't know about any of this until it's over. And I said, Mother, look, this is my business. You can't be injecting yourself. No, no, son, you you don't. I was always a son. I never knew what was good for me. I never knew the right thing to do. I was, I was, I remember I got so mad one day when I finally had to start flying privately just for the, the privacy and the security of it. She'd pick me up at the airport, and I'd spend the weekend, and on Sunday she'd take me back to the airport. One Sunday... She was behaving extremely differently, eager for me to leave. Normally wasn't the case. Kept reminding me I had to get to the airport. And I said, well, I'm just standing by at noon. We'll go, no, no, I, you, you, you really should get there a little earlier because you never know weather. And I says, no, the weather's fine. I've checked it. Well, you still, you should. She said, by the way, I'll meet you out there. I've got to go um, do some things. So I'll just meet you at the airport. David can take you. Oh, okay. So David came, picked me up. We drive to the airport. We drive up to the airplane. And I can see, I mean, there's her car. And there's another car. And I look in the windows of the airplane. There's a bunch of people in there. I got on the airplane, and she had four people she didn't know who had stopped in the week prior to say hello, and she'd invited them back to meet me and hadn't told, they're big fans, and she hadn't told me any of this, and they're on the airplane. But no, she was just so proud 
that the people of this country loved her little boy. If they called her or if they wrote her a letter or if they sent her a book of mine to sign, they were king and queen. And she wanted to make sure that they knew that our family appreciated them. Oh, wow. That is that is such a wonderful story. It is so nice to imagine Millie and Rush together again on this uh, this weekend, this Mother's Day. I'll tell you, I would never have that problem. Obviously, I didn't have Rush's success, but more importantly, every time I visited my family, they were always eager for me to leave. So I wouldn't know what that's like. I'm Jason Lewis. We'll be back and wrap things up on the Excellence in Broadcasting Network. Okay, we are up against the clock, but let's try to squeeze in a short, quick call from White Lake, Michigan. August, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program with me, Jason Lewis. Hi. Jason, the EIB network cannot go away. You continue to inspire. You continue to educate. I refuse to let it go. Do not give up. Do not give in. And to all the amazing women out there, If you've played any kind of role in a child's life, aunt, sister, grandmother, mother, stepmother, enjoy your special day and weekend. Celebrate. August, thanks, buddy. You're blessed. No, that's very nice of you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. And, And trust me, at this time, I can think of no other time where the EIB network is more needed because of. Uh, the opponents we face. And for mom this weekend, uh, that special bond between mom and son, mom and daughter can never be forgotten. I remember my mom that way. And it just is something that maybe the left, um, well, look, I'll, I'll be blunt. We used to have single income earners in this country and we used to have families being raised by one parent or another at home all the time because one income could do the job. Usually that was that were that was mothers, but it didn't have to be. But there's always that bond, and it is really a travesty that we've hollowed out the middle class because we're so addicted to cheap imports, and big business is so addicted to cheap imports that that's not possible anymore. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Have a great Mom's Day this Sunday. I'm Jason Lewis on the Excellence in Broadcasting Network. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.